Good morning. Please have a seat. I'm feeling blessed today. I hope you are too. Are you blessed? Do you know why? Do you know why? You're, I mean, the purpose? I mean, I, you make a list or I count your blessings. I have, I enjoy great friendships. I have a wonderful family. We, we have a place where we live. It doesn't just uh, protect us from rain. It protects us from humidity like today. Like, oh my goodness. Oh, I can't stand the humidity. Look what it's doing to my hair. <clears throat> uh, and, and I mean, I have an income stream and friendships and I'm just blessed. And that's just talking about the, 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 the body, the body and the soul part of me. And I'm blessed. I, do you know why? I bet you're there too. And then you look at the spiritual blessings, right, that, that we are presented in, in our the experience of salvation is we are made righteous with the very righteousness of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's blessed. That's a spiritual blessing, all eternal blessings needed. You know why? Here's the answer why. Why do we receive these blessings from God? If you look at the original rollout of the details of the master plan that God had for reconciliation, okay, since the fall of man, God has been working towards bringing mankind, every man and woman, back to a place where they, we can know him and enjoy him. And that rescue mission, it's, it was rolled out in Genesis chapter 12 in the first three verses. Watch what, what the promise to Abraham is about and, and look for the word, bless and blessing. And then Yahweh said to Abram, uh, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. For all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there's the plan. That's his rescue plan. He, and it, and he, he says, look, I, I want the whole world to, to, be, to, to enjoy who I am and to, to know me. And so every tribe, every nation, every tongue is, is exposed to, I guess, this fundamental message. And that is that salvation is a gift of grace. And that, and that God has revealed himself, particularly in the Bible, so that we can know him and we can have a life that's like according to the owner's manual. And so, his, so the, the point is the blessing that God is giving Abraham of provision and protection, that's all tactical in executing this rescue plan. It's all, all the blessings that Abraham receives and you and I receive, okay, they are a means to a much greater end. We receive blessings from God, okay, so that we can, like in this promise, we can see the heart of God, that God wants all the nations to enjoy what it's like, every man, woman, child, to enjoy what it's to be under the king and the authority of Jesus Christ. This, this idea that God loves all the nations and it should be a priority to us, sometimes in churches we think, that it, it was an afterthought for God. It, it certainly, it can be an afterthought for us. Like Jesus was returning to heaven. And he went, oh, wait, hold on. One other thing. Wait, I for, almost forgot. The Great Commission, you know. <laughs> Go make disciples of all nations. No, that's why the promise of Abraham and, and the promise to David and Jesus, the fulfillment, he's, it's, it's always been this plan. That God would get the word out that salvation is by grace alone. 
and that he can be known and life can be enjoyed through this. And the way he does it is through blessing so that we could be a blessing. Don Richardson, a kind of a famous missions author, coined the phrase, and it, it's really a worldview, blessed to be a blessing. It, and if that's the paradigm that we can live life through, it's a great way to look at, oh, wait, why am I in this situation? Why do I have these assets or talents or, or experiences? Oh, I'm blessed to be a blessing. It gives me a, a, a place to point and, and purpose for all these blessings that I might have, have received. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but even in the context of a series that we've been through eight weeks, studying a word, sadiq, it means righteousness. And it particularly is having to do with the, a, a summary of the power of salvation. Uh, the, it's a summary of the book of, of Romans itself. And what we, what we found in that is that salvation is not just a, I guess, a change of of guilt or innocence, it's actually a change of identity. We have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that, that produces a change in how we behave, a change in who we befriend, and a change in what we do with our lives. Because when you have this radical shift in, in the soul spirit's identity, and then you have the, the spirit of God that moves into your soul, it gives you the ability to, like when we were singing about, we can see what God sees. We can feel what God feels. We can see what breaks the heart of God will break our heart as well. And what breaks the heart of God is, is the lost. And his purpose, and he wants it to be our purpose, is to help be part of that plan, to use the blessings that we've received to bless other people in the context of getting word out. It also, if our identity being in Jesus Christ it, it helps settle our souls of, I guess, agendas or issues so that we can just be free not to have to worry about becoming who we would want to become. Sometimes our ambitions are so shallow. We're becoming what everybody else wants us to become. If we are settled in our position with Jesus Christ, then we can just become who God made us to become. See, we can, have, we can have an objectivity to say, how did you make me? What are my experiences? And we can go wherever he would want us to go and do whatever he would want us to do. We're free. We're free to obey because of what he's done for us. Now, what we're going to talk about today, it's a pretty exciting day to be here at Grace because we're going to give you an idea of, of, in the context, how much God loves missions, how Grace is loves missions, our past, our present, and our future. That's kind of the outline. Last fall, we, I mean, we, we've been working on this for a number of years, but last fall we asked uh, a couple members of our church to help us understand what's going on in the world. And we asked uh, Greg Herring, who's been here for a number of decades and has served on our elder board and does mission trips regularly, to be part of this uh, team. And the other person that was... Uh, um, brought on board was Ryan Asanto. And Ryan Asanto came because he, we asked him because he's kind of a newer member of Grace. He's only been here a couple of years and he'll have fresh eyes. Ryan is uh, going to join me today and he's going to give us kind of a report on how things are going. One of the reasons, again, that we asked Ryan to join us is because in his experience, he's gone on multiple mission trips. He's gone on, in, he served nine different countries, five different continents in his experience with missions. 
After graduating from college, he spent six months in Guatemala working for Food for the Hungry, then went to seminary, and then while in seminary, went to a number of countries in Western Europe. Uh, one of the other assets that he brought to the discussion and the research that he did was Ryan works for an organization that studies and invests in ministries all over the world, so he kind of knows what things are going on and where things are going. The company he works for distributed just this year $1.4 billion in works that are going on around the world. So you can imagine he's up to date. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> So, they don't know what they're clapping for. Because you gave <laughs> $1.4 billion yeah. of your own assets. Not my money. Not your money. Not my money, just to be so, clear. So, what, um, so give us a report. Uh, what, what did yes. you find out? So thanks, Matt. So this was a lot of fun. Greg and I got to interview some folks and send out a survey and learned a ton about missions at Grace. And one of the things that was just so encouraging was that just to really see borne out that Grace has loved missions for a really long time. Uh, I'm, I'm new to Grace, as, as Matt mentioned. My wife and I, my family and I have been here about two years, and we didn't know what was going on at Grace. And I would bet, uh, just knowing the history of the growth of the church, most of you probably didn't either, right? If you've only been here five or six years, you probably don't know a lot about missions at Grace. Um, and what we have seen is just that, that Grace has this tremendous capacity to care for missions, to invest in missions, and to love people well through missions. Uh, Grace loves missions so much, uh, they don't just send money, uh, we send our kids. Uh, and, and we've sent a lot of money and we've sent a lot of people, uh, but the investment is deep. Uh, we have lost leadership uh, to mission trips. Uh, we've lost families uh, to mission trips. And that's a wonderful thing to celebrate, that people have gone to the field and not come back uh, because of their exposure to missions at Grace. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stories to tell. One of my favorite ones was in 2001, a number of us went to Asia on an exploratory mission trip, two pastors and maybe six uh, elders. And we came back, we spent 10 days, five different cities, and just to see what God was doing, and he was doing a lot. And one of our elders, a very successful uh, business leader here in Austin, sold his house, left the business, packed everything up, and what, what was left, anyway, sold most everything, took his, his children and went to Asia. And has been there ever since in many respects. And another one of the elders that were on that trip, he just couldn't wait to retire fast enough, and he joined that team as well. And it was an expression of, I guess, our leadership is at any time answering the question, anywhere to do anything for the Lord. And, we, and the, again, we lost leadership and children and, and resources to this. We love that. Uh, on the board right now is a map of our current influence around the world, various missionaries and mission organizations uh, that we served and have served well. Ryan had a great opportunity to interview some of our past and our, our retired missionaries as well as as current missionaries, and you found some things out? Yeah, I think the other thing that stuck out from the study that Greg and I were a part of was uh, just that really for the most part, whether intentionally or unintentionally, Grace has been very consistent in its philosophy of ministry related to missions around the world. Um, and I say that because I don't know, really, when you're walking with Jesus, most of you who have walked with the Lord for any amount of time can, can connect with this, um, you don't know exactly what the end goal is. You just know you're trying to take the next step of faithfulness, right, that God has called you to. And what God's been doing in this church is he's been calling grace to invest in 
uh, really the scriptures, uh, Bible translations and Bible distributions, and evangelism uh, all around the world. And, and really, you, it makes sense because as a Bible church, what we know is that there's two things that last forever, the Word of God and the souls of men. And that's it. And so if we're going to invest, we might as well invest in things that have eternal value. And Grace has, for the last 50 years, been investing deeply in the Bible and the souls of men and women all around the world. Not just around the world. The other thing that stuck out was Grace has been super instrumental in the startup of several organizations right here in Austin, uh, organizations and churches that are having an amazing impact all across the city. Right. Again, I think in some respects, it's uh, people responding to uh, the calling that God gives them and the blessings they have, and they want to bless other people. 27 years ago, one of our elders, uh, I wasn't able to do some student ministry that year, and he took over the youth group and took a group up to Waco, Mission Waco. It came back, sold his business, uh, put his house kind of up for mortgage to finance what's called Mission Possible, probably the premier ministry in Austin today for pe helping people that are less fortunate than uh, most. And it, it, it's a great ministry in East Austin. It was a shoestring budget for a number of years, and now it is a thriving ministry. It has 11 different ministries, including four youth camps all by itself and, and serving the homeless and those who are disadvantaged and teaching and educating, that's, that's fun. Uh, Life Care Pregnancy Center here in Austin was started by two uh, family members of Grace. The Jesus Film Project, kind of a pet love for me, in 1979, uh, the book of Luke was word for word done in video or film form. It's called the Jesus Project. And that was used, that's been being used now as, as a way of explaining the Jesus, the, well, the story of Jesus. On the early days of that, in 1979, uh, a couple from Grace Covenant Church was part of that out in San Bernardino working for Campus Crusade. And, and one of them, is, well, he's deceased, but his, his widow is still working for the Jesus Film Project. One of our students in our student ministry toured the world with a generator on his back uh, showing the Jesus Film. It's been fun. 1,500 ministries use the Jesus Film. It's been, it's been viewed and, and the gospel has been accepted through that medium 500 million times. It's glorious to be part of its inception and its continued work. There's many more stories about us at Grace using resources and people, leaders, even our children. It's a fun story. Grace has a history of missions. We love what God is doing around the world. We still do. We still do. There's still a lot of current involvement in the, the mobilization of people around the world. Let me give you just some numbers real quick. This year's budget is almost $500,000, almost a half a million dollars as we promote the gospel and, and the Bible to people uh, in all parts of the world. Our six-year, this is not an anomaly, our six-year average is $473,000. Of that, 72% is actually given to missionaries, uh, from you could see on the map there. We have 82 missionaries around the world. Here's what's kind of staggering. Out of the 82, 18 of those have an average of 40 years on the field. More than half, 45 of those came from grace. They came out of our student ministry. Some of them came out of our, uh, our, our college ministry, and, and still others came out of our adult ministry. So, so let me stop you there. I want you guys to let those numbers sink in, if you will. Uh, half a million bucks for, for years, right? I mean, there's been millions and millions of dollars sent from this church out to the mission field. The Jesus Film Project, which many of you I know are familiar with, 
We helped start that. I mean, this is kind of incredible. But then, really, 82 people. We have 82 active missionaries. I didn't know that before I started this study. Uh, that's incredible. Over half of those have come out of this church, uh, which means we're not scanning the globe looking for, wow, what's happening in missions. We're looking at our church saying, how can we empower people? How can we send us to the field, which is incredible. Uh, and then, I love this stat, 18 people have served for an average of 40 years. Now, I hit my 40th birthday just a couple of years ago. Okay, and this was exciting for me to realize Grace has been supporting missionaries as long as I've been alive. It speaks to the faithfulness of this congregation. It speaks to the faithfulness of our leadership. And it speaks to something that Matt said in a sermon a few years ago, which drew my family and I to this church. Uh, when, when he was talking in a, in, a, in a sermon on Proverbs about uh, work, and he kind of did an aside, and he said, you know, uh, talking about the, what it's like to work at Grace, and he said, churches have different ways of focusing their efforts. Some focus on a vision, they're vision-centered, and some are, are people-centered. And, and, and you think about vision-centered and people-centered, neither one of those is right or wrong, and nobody does either one of those perfectly well. Uh, but most churches tend one way or the other, and grace tends to be people-centered. And Allison and I looked at each other and said, we got to be here. This works for us. And what we've seen in this study is that focal point people-centered over vision-centered, just born out for decades upon decades upon decades in our missions program. So I don't want you to miss the significance of Grace's involvement over time and to this day. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you got to do was not just interview missionaries, uh, but also some of the staff to see what was going on. You did some homework. You got to uh, meet our youth pastor, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, come on up. Love talking to Kevin Maurice. Um, again, Grace loves missions so much, we don't just send our money, we send our kids. So Kevin, tell us about that. Yeah, good morning, church, and thank you, Matt and Ryan, for sharing about missions this morning. As the youth pastor, I have the privilege of getting to go on a mission trip every spring break. That is the time of the youth ministry calendar where we go on our mission trips. And I've got to tell you, that's such an impactful time to see what God can do in and through young people. So today, I'd just love to share two stories about two students, former students, and, and one about to graduate, and, and what God is, is doing in their lives. Each year we take uh, two mission trips, one for our middle school students and one for our high school students. Our middle schoolers this year, they went to Waco to serve with Mission Waco, doing urban inner city ministry. And that's a great trip because it sets them up really well for the high school trip, because for about a decade now we've been going to Houston, working in the inner city with a group called Youth with a Mission. And there's so many highlights from that trip. The students get to be a part of doing so much good ministry. Uh, two specifics, though, is every year we get to lead a full church service for homeless men and women. And our students are, are part of worship team. They're part of preaching at that service. It's really special. The other highlight is we get to go work with inner city children's ministries, going and building relationships, going and, and sharing the gospel in housing projects across the city of Houston. In 2017, one of our seniors was a girl named Katie Smith. Katie was relatively new to our group, and uh, she was in, somewhat involved. She'd gotten more and more involved her senior year. She went to her midweek life group. She asked a leader to disciple her, and so every week they would get together and, and read Scripture. They'd talk about the future. They'd, they'd pray about, hey, what's coming up next? And by spring of her senior year, Katie was still pretty unsure about college or, or what she was going to do post-graduation, but she knew she wanted to go to Houston. 
And so she and her leader, they got together, they prayed about it, and they signed up to go. And, and that week just changed her world. She'd never seen poverty or experienced people living in poverty to that level. Her heart just broke seeing these kids running around with, with nobody to just share the good news of Christ with them. In our trips at night, we read a book of the Bible, and, and that year we were reading from Ephesians. And, and Katie sees this verse, and she points it out. She says, look, Ephesians chapter 2, it says, we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ to do good work. And her world was changed. She gets home. She applies that week to do a summer internship with one of those children's ministries in Houston. That summer internship, it turns into a one-year residency. And that one year, it, it kept expanding. In 2017, when Hurricane Harvey came through Houston, instead of leaving the city, she was there as the floodwaters rose, handing out supplies, caring for infants and toddlers and children in Houston. And then this past spring break, when we took our annual trip, we got to work and serve alongside her doing that same ministry. She is a missionary in Houston, Texas, and she's 20 years old. That's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. Second story is about one of our current seniors. He's about to graduate. His name's Timothy Ebert. Every other year, we go on an international mission trip. And so last year, 2018, we took our juniors and seniors to Thailand. And we partnered with a local orphanage. We also worked with Campus Crusade for Christ doing campus ministry. And, and this is just so fascinating because we've got students who have yet to go to college, and they're partnering with a college ministry to share the gospel with international university students. It was a fantastic trip, and, and we get back, and, and Timothy was a junior that year. He's a senior at Westwood this year, and he's about to graduate in two weeks, and then after that, he's going to lead a team of seven students back to Thailand for a mission trip. They got together. This is, this is not a youth trip. I'm not putting it together. I'm not going on it even. They got all the logistics together. They've been praying about it. They've planned it, and they're going to go do this thing because they understand that they're missionaries. They're not just students. They're not just recent graduates. They're missionaries. That's amazing. I mean, I don't know. Uh, what did you do after your senior year that summer? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't remember a lot. I just remember regretting a lot from that senior year. I did not take a mission trip. Uh, and lead a, another group of guys with me. Did you do that when you were after your senior? I, I did not. I no. Still have regrets. No, yes. still have regrets. Still have those. Those. It's just an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah. We we hope our students are are learning a lot in their time here at Grace, and especially on mission trips. And it's really clear one of the things that that group of students has learned and they've they've taken to heart is that this church we've got pastors sure, but they're the ministers, and they see themselves as missionaries, and so they're going to go do missions together. It's awesome. I love what Grace does with missions, and yeah. it's so fun to be a part of that with the students. Well, thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. I can, uh, I can feel the pulse of some of you parents right now thinking, oh, my goodness, two stories where kids go off to something, and they come back, and they, Mom, I'm going to be a missionary. And I just want you to know, I, I can really appreciate that as a parent of some adults. And, and that, was, that was a thing that we dealt with too. It's a great experience to go through as a parent. So you can say, you know what? The things that I love the most, I turn over to the Lord. He has blessed me with these children, and I will let them be a blessing around the world as well. And it, it's, it, I'm, I must tell you, it is a freeing 
I guess, I don't know, uh, uh, experience for you to even pretend to go through your child to come back and say, I want to go serve the Lord somewhere else. So, it's, yeah, let me, let me say this on that front. If there's any of you in the room who are thinking about how to have that conversation with your parents, uh, that was me at one point in my life, and it's been some of my friends at different points in my life. And so I just want to tell you a story. Uh, a friend of Allison and I that uh, she went to school with was feeling the Lord at work in her life, right, and, and wanted to go do a mission trip and was worried about how her parents might react. And uh, so what she did was she kind of sat them down and kind of, you know, get in the living room, have the family meeting sort of deal. She says, Mom and Dad... I'm really feeling called to the mission field, and I think I need to go on a trip, and it's to Iraq. Right? And they all have that reaction, right? And then she says, actually, no, 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 it's okay. I'm just going to Zambia. And they were okay with it. It worked. So if you're feeling called to go to the mission field, you can use that, right? And just get yourself free. Lead with really bad. That's right. And then just go to bad. And... Uh, the leadership right now at Grace is currently looking and doing a fair amount of reconnaissance uh, to have more family-type trips in a Central American country that would be really safe for us to take children and you and your family spring break with, you know, a vacation with a purpose that we can serve and, and expose our whole family set. You know, I mean, what's, how's that song go? Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be American Christians. We, we want them to have a worldview of what God is doing and how God could use their, how they've been blessed to be a blessing to other people. Grace has always loved missions. They love missions right now, and they, Grace looks forward to what she can do in the future. And that, again, this is where, where, uh, where Ryan is especially helpful. We'll, we'll probably even change the name from missions to mobilization because we want to mobilize all that we have, our, all of our assets, all the gifts we have, our, our people, our leadership. And, and we want to find out what God is doing and where God is doing it and play our part in that. Uh, Ryan's going to bring a, a great deal of, of understanding and, and value to this conversation. So I wanted you to tell us what's What's happening in missions? How fast is it changing? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to hit on a couple of key points here, a few different areas. But what I want you all to walk away with really is just a a genuine awareness uh, that the world of missions is radically, rapidly changing, okay? And the role of the American church is changing as well. Uh, Grace wants to be on the cutting edge of that change. And so so a few, few topics. Let's talk about Bible translation and Bible distribution. So if you were a Bible translator in the 80s. Let's say you signed up with Wycliffe and you wanted to go translate the Bible into a language that never had it. And so in the 80s, what was believed was that it would take about 35 years, maybe a little bit longer, but about 35 years to go from no scriptures, no translation to a full-on Bible. Okay, that same work today because of collaboration, millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not forget that. So millions of bucks, right? And millions of people, and frequently multiple teams of people, because right. nobody was on the field for 35 years. Okay, so or they wanted to be, but maybe couldn't be. Uh, so that process has become has gone from 35 years to 12. Okay, so a third, right? That is ra- since the 80s. Okay, that's not that long ago for it to change that much. Um, And then on the distribution side, um, because of our cell phones, because of tablets, because of the internet, because of mobile communications, Bible distribution has changed dramatically over the years. What used to take decades upon decades upon decades and millions and millions of dollars now takes about 18 months 
Okay, if you go from, I've got a Bible, now I want to distribute it. Now I want to get it out there, and I want to put it in the hands of people. Well, what we've learned is that 80% of the world doesn't read. Okay, so, so how do you get the gospel to people who can't read the book that you mail all over the place or smuggle in suitcases? What you do is you put it in the cloud. You put it on somebody's phone. You put an audio recording on your phone. You open up your Bible app on your phone that you've got right now. You can access probably about 1,600 different languages today. Uh, and an organization that we partner with called Faith Comes by Hearing has a vision to get a New Testament recording in the hands of 99% of the people on the planet, and they think they can pull that off by 2033. Think about 2033. That's 14 years from now. Okay? That means that my second grader, my oldest child, will not yet be finished with college. Okay, so some of you who are empty nesters and you've had this experience, how fast does a kid go from second grade to college? Yeah. Like that, right? So the wor- the, that's how fast Bible translation and distribution is moving on the planet, and we want to be a part of that. Right. Uh, pastoral training uh, is, is a major uh, yeah. difficulty in, in it, missions. It is. And that's changed. Yeah, yeah. So, so the facts are about 85% of the pastors on the planet have no formal Bible training whatsoever. Okay, zero. When I was in Guatemala in 1998, I worked in a village where the, the village pastor was chosen because he could read. He was not chosen because he was a believer. He was not chosen because he was wise or had leadership skill or preaching capacity. He was the pastor because he could read. That's it. Imagine a church like that, right? And the dangers of theological error and the dangers of hopelessness and the dangers of false gospels and all the things that happen in that scenario. Well, there are organizations that are responding to that need. And one of them in India can take a a, a pastor, somebody who says, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor, to plant a church, and they're a new believer. And they can go with a discipleship program and an educational program in about 12 months and be trained and equipped to be a pastor for $2,200. Okay, think about that number. 2200 bucks trains a pastor in India, church planting pastor. In Africa, where there are a lot of bivocational pastors, it's even less. So the Gospel Coalition works with a handful of organizations on the African continent. They take bivocational pastors, right? These are people who have influence in their homes and in their communities, a couple hundred people coming to their little church. And for $500 over the course of two years, they can put all the works of John Piper, D.A. Carson, Tim Keller, right? All these leading theologians. Matt Cassidy. All the leading theologians in America today. <clears throat> they can get that information, that content in the hands of these bivocational pastors for about 500 bucks. Now, I went to seminary. Matt mentioned that. I spent three years, close to 60 grand, in Dallas going to school. After all of that, I still stink at planting churches in Africa and India. We can do it a lot faster and a lot cheaper if we use the people that God has put on the ground, that God has called, that God has equipped. The world right. of pastoral training is changing. Right. So um, Bible translations from, what, 35 years to now we can do an audio version in, in less, sometimes nine months for $50,000. We can train pastors around the world that are already there for 2000 or $500. And so another major tech time, I mean, just a, a, a shift in the plates in missions is, the, is just the whole experience that I've had personally, and that is pastors are no longer welcome in, in a lot of countries, but businessmen are. And so business at, or businessmen and women, at business as missions is the new frontier. 
And you've been part of that as well. Tell Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so what Matt just said is true, right? Many times you can't get into a country. You have no access. Or at very minimum, you have a label on you if you're a pastor trying to preach the gospel in another country. Yeah. Right? They, they check. Countries now are checking our uh, social media status on Facebook and stuff and then deny our visas. That's happened to a number of pastors in this building. So they're, they're ahead of us now, and so we just can't get in anymore. So that's, yeah, so you've got doors that are closing, right? Yeah. And what I want you to imagine is think about the doors that you're about to walk through when you leave the service, right? You're going to walk through a couple of swinging double doors. Those are the size doors that it would take pastors to walk through to get to missions, right? And some of those doors are shutting. But what God is doing is he's taking a couple of doors about the size of airplane hangar doors, and he is opening them wide, wide, wide for business people. If you're a software engineer, if you're a sales team leader, if you're a project manager, your access into foreign countries, your access level is off the charts beyond what you could probably imagine. If you go on a mission trip today and you've got a pastor and you've got some business leaders, the pastor is qualified to carry the luggage. The business leaders get to meet the mayor. You bring you, you bring your story, you bring how God has equipped you and trained you and built you in your life here to another country. And doors are wide open for you to share your life and the gospel. So when you think about the future of grace and in mobilization, what are some things that you feel like where we can really play a part or what what our future looks like? Yeah, so so I think the big thing for grace is going to continue to look like bringing the word and bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? The word of God and the power of the gospel into the hearts of men and women all over the world It's going to be about spirit. It's going to be about truth. It's going to be about relationship. It's going to be about the DNA of who we already are. Yeah, Yeah, and and the idea of making disciples, some of the vocabulary that we're finally clarifying in many ways what we do and how we've been doing it to make disciples, to help them become like Christ in all of life. We, we take that and we just continue to export that. One of the reasons we came here today is to tell you this, Grace. You guys have been doing a great job in this. You are doing a great job, and Grace is going to continue to do a great job when it comes to bringing the gospel and the word of God to every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so I just want to say, keep up the great work, you know? And all God's people said, amen. So when you give, like when you give to Grace Covenant Church, okay, just generally speaking, you're giving to a church that does that. You're giving to, you're doing some things where God has blessed you with resources and you're passing them on to, to bless the world. I love being able to give at Grace. We give so much, our, such a huge percentage, the capacity of, of our giving to Grace because I happen to know some of these uh, points of information and I know, wow, we're touching a lot of different people all over the world, a lot of different ways. And so be encouraged in that context. It, it's part of who we are. It's part of who we will continue to be. So, so what now? So what's your... Yeah, so what now? So, so I think the way that we accomplish the task on the mission field is got to change uh, because the world is so different. But we intend to keep our missions and mobilizations efforts in line with the DNA of the church, absolutely in line with what God has already woven into us, right? We're Grace Covenant Church is, is our people transformed by grace, 
connected through relationships and committed to service. We are unashamedly committed to relational discipleship where we believe discipleship equals spirit plus truth plus relationships and these things we've said, right? We, want, we believe that we all are to become like Christ in all of life. Uh, and we believe in maintaining a people-centered focus as a higher order priority than a vision-centered focus. And we're going to keep doing that. And so what I would ask for each of you and even for me and for my family is that we pray. We take seriously who God has made us into and what that means. My hope is that we would all walk away from here today praying, God, what do you want from my life? And really consider what is God inviting you into in the world of missions? How, does, how do your giftings, your skill set, your marriage, your family, how can all of that be mobilized in a missional context, in a missional endeavor? I mean, this whole sermon series that we've been into, right, about God's righteousness imputed into us, Zadik, right? He has called us his own. He's, he's, he's made us a people, right? He's made us his own people. We once were not a people, but now we're a people. And because his spirit lives in us, because he has changed us, we have something to offer to the rest of the world, which is genuinely amazing. And it's not because we tried to be obedient. It's not because we tried to do something really good. It's because God made us that way, and we were just living into who we are. One of my favorite passages when it comes to missions and missional endeavors is Philippians 3.16, where Paul writes, only let us live up to that which we have already attained, which is kind of a weird way of saying you don't become good and then God calls you his. God calls you his. He makes you good. And you spend the rest of your life living into that. And so what I want us to do is to pray and to remember who we are. The video that Matt put up last week about Simba and, and, and the lion, right, of going, okay, don't be less than who you are. Then what I would say to us is, Christian, don't be less than who you are. Be who God made you to be and spend your life on things that count for eternity. At this church, what we would ask is that you would engage with us as we follow God in the great cause of making his name known to the ends of the earth. Ryan, thank you so much for your work at Grace and the way you've served us in this capacity. That's awesome. Uh, if, if, uh, if you noticed in your bulletin, there's actually a, a box to check if you're interested in knowing more about missions, might, how you might involve, be involved in that and how we might be able to help you in that endeavor. We continue to seek uh, and look for a position uh, to oversee the, this vast ministry that we have here at Grace. We'll keep you posted with that as well. But I, again, I want to come as your pastor and say, this is a great church. God has blessed us, and we have been a blessing, not just to the city of Austin, but all around the world. And it's, it's just a, it is a joy to be in, in this family. So great job. Great job, Grace. Let me close in a word of prayer, and we'll uh, continue to worship uh, in song. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that uh, you called some of the early members of our church when, when she got started to, to be focused so much on, on the nations, every tongue, every tribe, that uh, they saw themselves as a means to that end, and they continued that. They passed that on to the next person, to the next person, and here we are, passing on still again. Lord, I'd ask that you continue to bless us because we see this, that your blessings to us are to be part of this plan, this master plan to bring the gospel and the word of God to as many people as possible. So bless Grace. Continue to bless her. Help us play our part. Help our souls be surrendered to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.